This is Digital Health Today, Episode 4. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Now, here is your host, Dan Kendall. Hello, Dan Kendall here. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Health Today podcast. Are you enjoying this free podcast? If so, please take a minute to show your support by clicking subscribe on your listening platform. I'd really appreciate you leaving an honest rating and review. If you need some guidance on how to do that, we put together a support page on the digitalhealthtoday.com website. And after you've left a review, I would love to send you a small thank you gift by mail to recognize your support for the show. You can find a link on the support page for details on how to receive a free gift. I am really excited to bring you our next guest. Today, I'm speaking with an award-winning, visionary, innovation leader who is developing new products to make a huge impact in women's health. My guest is tech entrepreneur and women's health advocate, Dr. Tanya Bowler. She is the CEO and co-founder of Chiaro, a company with the mission to develop beautiful and bold products that make a difference to women's lives. Their first product, LV, is an intelligent pelvic floor exercise tracker that combines an insertable sensor-packed device with an engaging app for your phone. Tanya is going to tell us more about how it works, what it does, and the impact it's having. Tanya and I spoke while she was in her UK offices, and she shares some of the events that led up to her decision to make the leap from not-for-profit work into international health entrepreneurship. And if you're interested, Tanya is working to develop more ambassadors and advocates for her product. She's arranged for a special discount exclusively for listeners of our show, so please listen in for details in the interview. As always, complete links can be found in the show notes, so visit digitalhealthtoday.com four to access all those. And now, may I introduce... Dr. Tanya Bowler. Tanya, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Listen, Tanya, I've already shared a little bit about your background and the product that you've created with the audience. Can you fill in some detail, maybe share a little glimpse into your personal life? Yeah. You mean how I became a health tech entrepreneur? Yeah. I'm going to ask you about that specifically, but just a little bit about your background, what you were doing before you started Chiaro and your your interests. So I've always been really passionate about health promotion and I've mostly worked actually internationally. So a lot in Africa and Asia. Uh, I did my PhD on HIV prevention and teenage pregnancy in South Africa. And I actually spent most of my career in the non-for-profit sector. So I went to work for the UN. I was head of HIV prevention at UNESCO in policy. And then most recently, I was at Mary Stopes International, which is one of the largest providers of women's health services. And I was director of research and innovation. So I've always just been really passionate about women's health and looking very much at how we can kind of use research to improve policy or innovation. Well, that's an interesting background. You're the first person I've spoken to that's made a leap from not-for-profit to the commercial sector and focused in this area. So what were some of the drivers that made you want to make that leap? I mean, I love working in the non-for-profit sector and working in international health. I think I was becoming quite frustrated, though, working particularly in the non-for-profit sector, sometimes in terms of bringing in new innovations. And I think working within health systems, working with health governments, which I was doing, I could see how they were struggling to adopt new innovations and particularly how that, as we all know, we're kind of on the cusp of a health tech revolution. And I think I just wanted to get more involved in it and, and be part of it more actively. Did you have the idea for starting a business while you were still employed? 
actually the idea for LV came about through my personal experiences, nothing professional at all. So there I was sort of, you know, heading a large department of about 30 people, really loved my job. And then I actually became a mum myself five years ago. And I was just surprised as I was going through pregnancy, how there's just so many issues with our bodies that nobody talks about until it happens to you. And because my husband's French in France, the way women look after their bodies post-birth, particularly rehabilitating their core, their pelvic floor, their abs, is sort of an intrinsic part of the healthcare response. So I just, it was just an issue I just knew nothing about. And I started researching it and it just kind of grabbed me, just grabbed my imagination from the beginning because I could see that it's, a, it's, it's really important for so many women. And yet, because it's quite a sensitive topic, nobody was really talking about it. Originally, I didn't even think that I wanted to come up with a technology innovation solution. I was actually started researching it, talking to physiotherapists, realized this huge you know, epidemic of women's health and originally thought maybe we needed a service model here in the UK. But then the more I researched, I realized actually what was missing was the technology. That's really interesting. And you were saying that your husband is French and that you have a different insight of how women in France take care of themselves. Can you give us a little bit of background in terms of what you noticed there and, and how the discovery process unfolded? Yeah. I mean, what I've noticed, I think, particularly here in the UK and in the US, we're very baby-centric, which is obviously very important. We're very focused on the babies. But just from my own personal experience, talking to other women, and once you've gone through birth, we don't have much attention or understanding about what happens to our bodies that have gone through so much change. In France, the cultural attitude is quite different. So there, they tend to say, happy mother, happy baby. So they call it la réducation perinéale, which means re-education of the perineum. And each woman is paid for by the health government, by the health department, sorry, to have 10 sessions of sort of physical therapy to help integrate her abs, which often come apart during pregnancy, and her perineum and pelvic floor. And they're also given 80 euros for a medical device. And it isn't just France. It's very different in different countries. But in Germany, the government pays for all women to have group exercise classes. In Asia, women often uh, spend a month at home after giving birth, where they, are, where they help to heal their bodies as well. And give us some indication of how that compares to what your experience was uh, was like in England and what you've discovered perhaps in other Western countries like the U.S. Yeah, well, in the U.S., I think you guys call it Kegel exercises. Yeah, I, I find quite similar sort of levels. There's a lack of knowledge, I think, about how the pelvic floor functions, what it is. Either people think it's quite a, to do with sex or to do with, you know, just they think of the yucky health issues such as stress urinary incontinence, prolapse, which is obviously a huge health issue that affects women because of pelvic floor disorders. Again, seems to be quite a high lack of knowledge until you get to a certain age and, and these things sort of start happening. So I actually see a lot of similarities, to be honest, between the UK and the US, which is partly why we've launched in, in both countries simultaneously. So there certainly is a lot of discussion around Kegel exercises and pelvic floor exercises, but you decided to take a different approach rather than simply pick up the mantra, which is everybody should do this three times a day, 10 repetitions each time. What was your thought process there about why it wasn't just simply more advice, which is what a lot of yeah. health professionals pass along, but you actually said, well, let's measure it. Well, what really grabbed me, I think, about this whole issue around pelvic floor health is that you know one in three women have physical problems, 10% of all women will need to have an operation. And yet what's crazy is it's largely preventable and treatable through exercise, so through you know behavior change. Um, but, but what happened, I think, is that I, I basically started researching the clinical trials. I talked to over 40 physiotherapists and academics, and I started really highlighting what were the main blockages that were stopping women from exercising. So one is um, lack of confidence. They didn't know if they were exercising correctly. And in fact, 30% of the women exercise incorrectly. The second is a, a low adherence because they just don't, you know, lack of motivation.
competition, don't know how they're doing. And, you know, it's like asking somebody to, 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 be, to be running a marathon and yet you never tell them how fast they're running or how far they're running. So women are just told exercise forever and they never see any improvements. So that leads to a lack of motivation as well. So with Elvie, it was all about, you know, coming up with a solution that helped uh, address those problems. So making the exercises short and fun. We have certain sensors in there which can help women improve their techniques, that they can improve their confidence. And then it's all about setting kind of small, achievable goals that will help motivate. Because ultimately, exercising your pelvic floor is like exercising any other part of your body. So we should be using a similar kind of, you know, approach the same way you're encouraged to go to the gym. Um, So that's the kind of approach that we've used with Elvie and really seems to be working. Can you explain to us just a little bit about the anatomy and how it gets affected over the course of a woman's life and through the activities that she engages in? If you think about your core body as a drum, on the top you have your diaphragm, and at the bottom is your pelvic floor. It's a hammock of muscles that holds up your entire core body. I think from an evolutionary perspective, it needed to be a muscle because that's why how women give birth, although otherwise it probably would have been bone given the amount of mass it lifts up. So it's part of your body that you need to look after and it affects women. You know, they think about it at different stages of life for different reasons. So women who do a lot of sports, such as tennis or running, anything where there's a lot of impact on a hard ground, it, it, it exerts pressure on your pelvic floor. Even if you put on weights, so that can also um, exert pressure on your pelvic floor. But for most women, they don't think about it until they get pregnant, which obviously the pregnancy itself, you add three times the strain on your pelvic floor and actually the process of childbirth as well can can weaken and damage these muscles. So one of the first signs when women have a weak or damaged pelvic floor will be what we call stress urinary incontinence which means you can't contract your pelvic floor enough it's not strong enough so you'll pee accidentally say when you're sneezing or coughing and this will affect up to 30% of women at some point. Women often end up having to use adult sanitary pads. What's really shocking is that the adult sanitary pad market is valued at 17 billion dollars a year. There's other side effects too. It'll affect your control during sex um, as well as it's sort of a whole wellness issue, your confidence, because obviously if you have pee problems, you're not going to feel very confident. And another big sign of pelvic floor weakness actually is lower back pain. So because your pelvic floor is linked to your core muscles, it's part of your core muscles with your abs and your lower back. A lot of women with low back pain also need to look after their pelvic floor. And then the next key thing that tends to happen is during menopause. So the same way women's bodies change on the outside, you also change on the inside. So your muscles lose collagen. So if you already have a weakened pelvic floor, it tends to get exacerbated during this period. And what actually happens is the pelvic floor becomes so weakened that it's no longer able to lift up the organs inside your core body, which can lead to prolapse, which is when your organs start descending, which is a really you know, debilitating problem for women, and yet incredibly common. 50% of women over the age of 50 will get prolapse to some extent. Can you describe what the actual product is and how it works? Yeah. So if you look on lv.com, that's E-L-V-I-E.com, you can see um, some great photos and videos of how the product works. But it's basically almost like a small pebble that's fully covered in medical grade silicon, which means it's completely waterproof. It's actually quite soft and silky and, and nice to touch, really easy to use. And you take the pebble and you insert it into your vagina, um, just a centimeter up is where your pelvic floor is. The pelvic floor is like a hammock at your base between your tailbone and your pubic bone and helps lift up all your core body. So the pebbles on the inside and on the outside is a tail that then talks to your app. 
As you exercise your pelvic floor, as you contract, it picks up force readings and it can tell you also if you're lifting your pelvic floor correctly or if you've got the wrong technique. But what it means is as you're exercising, so as you contract and relax, there's a gem on the screen and you literally see the gem moving up and down in real time. Now, the reason this works and really helps women is it helps them with a mind-body connection because women have a low proprioception. So often they don't know how to contract. They don't know how to feel their pelvic floor muscles contracting. And then also they can then see their strength. They can exercise it and see how they're doing they can improve they can progress quickly over time again think about it like any other part of your body any exercising you're doing you need to be not just focusing on strength you need to be looking at you know relaxation endurance speed so we have different workouts for each area of exercise and women can yeah they can track their progress track their scores your women are coming to it from very different angles so we have a lot of women maybe in their 20s like in the u.s we have a big um following amongst cross people doing crossfit and you know they're very competitive and they'll look a lot at their scores whereas maybe if you've just had a baby you we, we put you on a sort of slightly more gentle pathway it's a very personalized app so we kind of assess where each woman is and we kind of give them a training program that that works for them it's really like a kind of virtual physio using then the the device they're strengthening the muscle Uh, what's some of the research saying in terms of the result and the feedback that people are giving you well, the research is ongoing even now. We have so much data that, that we're able to look at and, and use to keep improving the experience. I mean, I think I was just really pleased. The main thing is that the, it was very comfortable because that was one of the things I've heard about in terms of barriers before is that other products had been really big and hard. Um, so it was about getting, you know, we have two sizes for LV. So that was really positive. Here in the UK, we have the NICE guidelines, which is sort of the evidence for clinical recommendations. And similarly, the US medical authorities, if I've forgotten the name, they all recommend that the use of pelvic floor exercise helps prevent and treat the various pelvic floor disorders. So women can expect to see a sort of 70% improvement in stress urinary incontinence over 12 weeks. And that's kind of been validated through numerous clinical trials. So the evidence is very strong that exercising works. Now, as you mentioned, you know, women are told to exercise several times a day. And they're told it's like brushing your teeth, you need to do it forever. I think what LV does is, first of all, instead of exercising against air, you're exercising against resistance. So that can also help. Then second, obviously, it it improves the mind-body connection. and, And third, it kind of helps women motivate to exercise more frequently. You left Marie Stopes. You had the, you had your personal experience while you were there. Mm-hmm. You decided that you wanted to uh, start this business and try to address this problem. Mm-hmm. And, and and what was the evolution from there? Because I know you've you've partnered up with uh, Alexander Asali, who has quite a track record, a, sub- a significant track record in trackers and fitness trackers with Jawbone. So how did you partner up with him, and what was the evolution there? Yeah. So just a little bit before that, then. So. Yeah, I started reading the research and realized that women are buying a lot of technology out of desperation that's not been shown to be effective. That the only thing shown to be effective was real-time biofeedback. So in the hospitals in France, hooking somebody up with lots of probes and wires. And as you exercise, you can see on your screen how you're doing. And in some ways, it's a bit like a Fitbit or jawbone upband. It's a tracker to help women measure their pelvic floor exercises and help themselves improve. So that was the very basic concept for LV. And I heard about this government innovation competition. So I applied for it and I won $150,000. And that was just like one of my most amazing days because I'd had this idea in my head that I'd been like, you know, ruminating on and planning and getting obsessed about. But it just 
felt a bit crazy, but to win the innovation competition really helped me kind of validate that this had real legs and that I should, you know, give up my job and go for it. So that's what I did. And then about a month after that, I was lucky enough to meet and pitch to Alex Asaley, who started Jawbone. And here in the UK, as you know, even internationally, he's one of the very few experts in wearable technology. And I didn't realize at the time he gets pitched to, you know, very frequently for different ideas. But I think with LV, he just saw that it was a solution, you know, to really big problem. And so he got on board originally as an investor and then as a co-founder. Going back to that Innovate UK competition that you won, what was that process like? Did you have a lot in place already or was it mostly a description? No, I had very, I had, um, I mean, Alex always says one characteristic that he sees a lot in entrepreneurs is complete naivety. And I think that's true as in, I think if you often know how long something's going to take, how difficult it's going to be and how much it's going to cost, you might not do it. So I was completely naive. I'd heard about the competition. I took a couple of days off work to fill in this form. It was obviously a lot harder than I thought, but it was just just about putting down the ideas. But I think here in the UK, these a couple of these competitions are great. You know, they're, they're high risk. They know that they're, they're funding an, a concept that might not have a high chance of success, but that they think is important for society. And I was just over the moon to win it, really. And how was it that you went from that to then being able to meet Alexander and have the opportunity to pitch to him? Well, so I'm not an engineer, so I didn't know too much. I knew what the product was and what it needed to be. And I think I did what most hardware startups do, which is I had a small amount of money from the competition. So I had two lovely and great, but very junior uh, engineering graduates. And I think if I'd carried on on that track, it would not have you know, succeeded because not only is this wearable tech, like if you think about it, fit bones had irritation problems, jaw bones had waterproofing problems. You know, we're producing a wearable piece of tech that actually goes inside the body. So we have to have even higher levels of quality. So when Alex came on board, he was very much around because he's a product designer and he gets it. It was all about bringing in the right team, making me think about everything really differently and bringing in some of the best designers and engineers. So he definitely helped us go off on a different trajectory. So he got involved in 2014 then? No, so the timeline was, yeah, I, um, I quit my job in July 2013 and he got involved by about officially October, November, and originally as an investor. And then quite quickly, he's getting really quite hands-on in terms of helping think through the product design, bringing in the right partnerships. So he became co-founder um, in early 2014. And then we launched in October um, 2015. So just two years after we started. And what were some of the things that you learned through that development process? You touched on some of the things now in terms of the, the quality and, and some of the expertise that you need to to get on board, but what were some of the things that were a bit surprising in terms of some of the feedback that users were giving you or health professionals? I mean, yeah, we're developing a product for, for women that they have to insert you know, in the vagina and it's a part of the body, you know, which, which we should know a lot more about. But funny enough, there's just hardly any studies. There were sort of four studies about vaginal anatomy. So we had to have a lot of scientific advisors. Professor Linda McLean in Canada has been advising us from the start about the shape and everything. And then the, really the big thing we had to do was just have a lot of testing. So we had 150 women test LV throughout the design process. We literally had seven different shapes because we knew women wanted to, you know, women were busy. They wanted to be able to walk around. So we had to, to test a lot on the ergonomics. And it was quite, you know, a complicated piece of technology because you have to miniaturize it quite significantly as well. What do you wish that you knew earlier in the process? I wish I'd known, you know, how important it is to get the right engineers on board and that, the, you know, that particularly how to get a product out to manufacture. I think here in the UK, we are, you know, we're not 
unfortunately one of the global leaders in manufacturing expertise and skills and trying to get that that skill set in can be you know it's difficult when you're trying to hire people that you don't know um, much about that area but we brought in an amazing engineer from Dyson which is the UK is one of the UK's you know most important product design companies and that's been amazing just having the right person in there's lots of other things on the um, testing and you know manufacturing like which are just obviously uh which I'd known in advance, like silicon is a very difficult material to work with. But, you know, it's very important that we use medical grade silicon for LV as well. You mentioned that you had 150 women testing the device. How were you recruiting them, engaging with them, surveying them? And, and did they use it for three months or for six months? How did that work? Yeah. I mean, at the very beginning, we were just doing it in-house. And, um, you know, we're a women-led company, so we have quite a few women in the team. And then, obviously, we made it more formal quite quickly. You know, we had to make sure that we followed the right ethical guidelines and consent and everything and set up, you know, you have to be quite careful with this kind of testing too. And then we actually started just recruiting through, you know, research agencies and everything. So let's change the gears a little bit. Since it is such a personal and, and private matter, I think you've probably had to adapt some uh, interesting marketing strategies in terms of how you've talked about it and how you've presented the, the solution to your audience. Can you take us through what your thought process was and, and what some of the things were that you've done to position the company and the product to be able to address that in a sensitive way? I, mean, I think this is all based, again, on actually my experiences in my previous roles, working particularly on sex education and HIV prevention, where I could kind of see with health promotion that if we you know, focus on negative messaging and focus on treatment and problem avoidance, people will develop quite negative connotations with, with whatever the message is that you're trying to give. And what I could see in this area is that there was a sort of focus very much on bladder control problems or prolapse and things that women, you know, they might, it might work in terms of fear tactics, but I don't think it's going to help develop long-term sustainable behavior change. So really my passion and values was all about moving this because on a spectrum, it could be anywhere from enhancement, say sexual enhancement in the middle prevention wellness through to treatment. And it was already quite divided. The market either, you know, a lot about sex or treatment. So for us, it was all in terms of marketing strategy, making this a sort of normal mainstream lifestyle product for women. So as an example, for us, it was about we've launched in various boutique gyms and spas, as well as some chemists. So it was a real sort of range of places where women might think and hear about this product. And I saw some of the videos online, you seem to have used humor to address some of the, the questions around it as well, right? Absolutely. I think that's really important. I think, you know, this is something that women do talk to other women about. And if it's something amusing, then it'll be even more of a talking point. So you won the Innovate UK award. That was a wonderful thing to get right off the bat. I know you won the AXA PPP Health Tech and You award last year for the best R&D product. You've now launched the product since that award. What other recognition and awards have you won? Well, I was really, actually, what I was most pleased about this year is I won Innovator of the Year at the uh, Women in Tech Awards, which was just amazing. So I think it just, you know, some people sometimes say, is this product not quite a niche product? So we've been really fighting to have it seen as, as more of a mainstream issue. But we launched in October. It's been, you know, I think right now there's a real zeitgeist in terms of women talking about their health issues, talking about our bodies in a way that we haven't previously. So we've been, you know, the journalists have kind of really loved the product and we've had some incredible press. So we've had over 200 original articles as well as actually last month we had a, a, a live demo on British Breakfast Television. So that was quite amusing too. What was the most surprising piece of coverage that you've received? You mentioned you had over 200 press articles uh, written about you. Anything that, that surprised you in some of the feedback or some of the traction that, that any of those articles gave? Um, 
I think the the best article we had was actually a journalist from the New York Post rang us up and wanted to interview me. And I really didn't have much context. It wasn't, you know, anything that we had pushed for. And then she rang up and her opening line was, you know, I'd like to hear about why you brought LV to New York and why everybody on the Upper East Side is talking about it. I was just like, I was just speechless. I was just kind of in shock. I was just so overexcited. And she did this great piece where she was interviewing women who used LV, even their husbands, women who just had, you know, a whole range of different women with different needs. And it was a a really great article. And I think, you know, I think consumers, they know when something's written authentically in terms of, you know, talking about this being a bit of a craze now in the US. And that was, it was an amazing piece for us. Incredible conversion and traction from that as well. Two years of hard work as you developed the product and then you were able to proudly reveal it in October of 2015. Why don't you take us through that launch and how you actually released it onto the market? So it was in London and New York and I think it was just a lot about the press and then It was about um, getting the right kind of ambassadors on board. So we have a lot of health and wellness professionals recommending LV. And now we're just about to go retail. So in a few weeks, we're about to expand across the UK with one of the main high street retailers, which is very exciting. You know, now that we've shown that women like this product, we're actually about to expand into quite a few new countries. So across Europe as well. So it's all very exciting times. Terrific. And for anyone who does want to buy it, if they go to LV.com, I understand you've put together a discount code as well for that. It's available for a a short window, about two weeks from the airing of this podcast. Yeah, we'd love to offer a discount, $20 discount to listeners out there for two weeks. So you just need to go to LV.com, that's E-L-V-I-E.com, and use the code DIGITAL, so D-I-G-I-T-A-L, when you check out, and that will give you the discount. How wonderfully rewarding it must be to have had this vision, have had this personal experience, and then translated that into something that's helping, I'll say thousands, but I imagine ultimately millions of women. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, the whole we've got a great team, and they're all you know, very, very dedicated towards you know, being part of something that, that can really hopefully change things a bit. And what's next? Because when I look at the Kiara website, it talks about LV being the first product. I imagine you have other activities. Can you give us any insight about what you guys are going to tackle next? Yeah, well, I can't give you too much in detail, but um, you know, our mission, as you saw for Chiaro, is the fact that you know Chiaro means to be clear and candid in Italian, and it's all about having clear and candid conversations about our bodies, and that particularly women's health, you know, it affects 51% of the population, but is often seen as a niche issue. So that's kind of the the attitude that we want to change. So we have quite a few ideas for new innovations in women's health that we'll kind of be launching next year. Fingers crossed. Terrific. We have a a very engaged audience listening in, lots of people around the world uh, who are focused on health and wellness. What are some of the things that you need right now? You mentioned you're about to go retail. You have ambassadors who are advocating use of the product. What are some of the other ways that that people in the health and wellness community can help support you and your mission? Well, we're really trying to help develop and be part of the, the global community on women's health. So anybody out there who's listening who would be interested in becoming an ambassador for us or even stocking LV or just being part of the conversation or helping us with product testing, anything really, please, please just get in touch. Either email questions at lv.com or Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H at lv.com. Either of those would be great. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, I only have a few questions left. I have uh, about five questions that I'd like to ask in a lightning round. You up for that? Yeah, sure. First of all, Tanya, can you tell us why you chose to focus on health and wellness? I think I've just always been passionate about our abilities as humans to change the course of our lives and how health promotion is just so important for, you know, leading a fulfilling life. What book 
do you recommend and why? Well, I have to say Lean In for any of the women listeners out there. I know it's it's such it's just such an important book. And now, particularly now that I'm a woman in tech, I see how so many women are kind of a bit scared to work in startups or scared to start up their own companies. So I think that's a great book for all budding women entrepreneurs out there. What piece of advice have you received that made an impact and that or that motivates you? I mean, I think it's a really basic one, but I think we're all conditioned to, you know, worry a lot about what other people think about what we're doing and judge our success against other people. And I think particularly if you're doing something like LV, that's quite bold in some ways. I think the best advice is just to to just ignore what other people think. And you just have to to follow what, what you believe is, is the right thing and, and know that you might not be right in the short term, but that hopefully you'll be right in the long term. What technology tool or app has made your life easier or better and that you'd recommend to our listeners? Obviously, LV is, is on the list, but uh, secondarily to LV, what technology tool or app has made your life easier or better? I love Slack. It really helps at work. It's great for project management and internal comms because I hate the number of emails in my inbox. And lastly, in appreciation for your participation in this podcast, we're going to make a donation to a charity of your choice. Can you tell us which charity you'd like us to make a donation to and why? Oh, great. Um, the Women's Health Foundation in the US, they do a lot of research into women's health and we partner with them a lot. So they're a really wonderful organization. Terrific. So thanks very much for your participation, Tanya. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to say before we go? No, I think we covered a lot of really interesting issues. And yeah, just any of the listeners out there, do get in touch if you've got any ideas or suggestions or just want to be part of what we're doing. Can you give us a few ways of how we can follow you or stay in touch? Yeah, of course. Hello, LV is um, our Twitter handle, also on Facebook. The website is lv.com. Tanya, thanks so much for being with us today. We wish for you the continued success of the LV product and of the Chiaro business and the impact that you're making in women's health around the world. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Well, there you have it. That was Dr. Tanya Bowler, the CEO and co-founder of Chiaro. That's Chiaro, C-H-I-A-R-O.com the maker and innovator of the LV product line. You can check out LV at ELVIE.com. And for two weeks from the airing of this episode, you can receive a discount on the LV.com website. So go on over to LV.com and use the discount code DIGITAL, D-I-G-I-T-A-L, to receive $20 off if you purchase in U.S. dollars. Or use Digital GBP, that's Digital GBP as in Great British Pounds, to receive 15 pounds off your purchase. And that offer expires at the end of the day on Sunday, May 8th. That's actually Mother's Day in the U.S. So do get online and make that purchase as soon as you can to take advantage of that offer. And if you are interested in becoming an ambassador for the product or perhaps even stocking the LV product at your business or practice, please contact Hannah Thompson at Chiaro. Her email address can be found in the show notes. In fact, links to all the show notes can be found at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash four. That's the number four. And while you're there, take a minute just to sign up for the newsletter to make sure that you're always kept up to date with the latest news and happenings in digital health. Thanks again for tuning in. Look forward to speaking with you next time on Digital Health Today. And until then, keep on innovating.